So what was it this time? Huh? Work. Kelly. Because we were having a really nice night last night and then you disappeared to take the bins out for ages. Yeah, sorry. Um, I just went for a walk to see the fireworks. And then before that, you just suddenly went all quiet. Well, I've, I've never been the biggest fan of New Year's. Right. So it was just your old anxiety phobia? Well, you, you, nobody knows the words, you know, and you have to do the daft bombs cross thing. The talk of the street. Talk of the street. The talk of the street. Talk of the street. The talk of the street. Talk of the street. The talk of the street. Talk of the street. Welcome to episode 188 of the Talk of the Street, an unofficial Cornish Street Catcher podcast that doesn't want to draw attention to this and asks that everyone remains cool and don't turn and look all at once. But Craig has been standing motionless in the doorway for half an hour now, ignoring police protocols. I'm not exactly sure what he wants. I'm Gavin. And they call me Mr. Tibbs. <laughs> Rest in peace, Sydney Poitier. Oh, 2022, yes. making an early start in uh, in uh, killing off really uni- old people. universally beloved people old people and universally beloved he was in his 90s as well wasn't he 94 Poitier. sir sydney Poitier. although most people are forgetting the sir part that he was, was he a sir he was honorary sir then yeah he was an honorary sir so i don't know if he necessarily gets the sir after death or whatever but some people are like why people seem to remember that sir kevin spacey Yikes. Exactly. First black man to win Best Actor Oscar? Not mm-hmm. Kevin Spacey. Yeah, Sidney Poitier. Sidney Poitier. Yes, first first Best Acting Oscar for a black person. Uh, there was a supporting black actress winning before him, the, the woman who played Mamie on... Uh, Gone with the wind, but... <laughs> Do you always sigh when you say gone with the wind like that? Pretty much. <laughs> Fair enough. How are you this week? I'm, I'm, I'm okay. I, uh, my New Year's resolution this year is to start making lists again every day because I'm constantly forgetting to do something or constantly saying this needs to be done and then it never gets done because I don't remember. Right. So... I've I've started that off and so far so good. You know, there have been some days that I don't do them because I just I cannot be bothered. But for the most part, I've I've done them every day in January so far. I was listening to the Gargle, one of my uh, favorite podcasts. I can't remember who it was who said that their New Year resolution was to use the word man baby out of context and in conversation more. I think I might try and do that. Please don't. <laughs> out of context, though. Yeah. Look at the size of that man baby out there. Hmm. Oh, well. So how's that going so far, then? Yeah, so far so good. We, we fixed that closet door. Oh, we did? <laughs> that was on the list. Right. I called the plumber. That was on the list. <laughs> Superb. I called the plumber. And then while I was talking to the plumber, you were on hold with the plumber. <laughs> To be fair, I was 
I was I had just finished dialing the, the plumber and so I, I don't actually I was going through their whole if you want something press right. one thing so but yeah and then I got your text went okay that's okay, creepy never mind <laughs> so I just hung up we share a brain yeah that's really weird though I think it's because I was in there cleaning that toilet and then flushed it again and said out loud, yep, still leaks. You must have like subconsciously heard me because the bathroom is right next door to this office. Yeah. I, I honestly and don't remember. It may have that. Anyway, it tr- triggered you in some way. So, yeah. yeah. Toilet's been flushed tend to trigger me. <laughs> Whatever that means. Whatever that means. So yeah. How are you? Good. That was a little bit of a fun morning there because normally we just get up kind of come to a little bit mm-hmm. drink a little coffee and then just jump into the podcast but there was some twitter fun going on about our friend chris anstey yes being in the paper and then us being in the paper yes which is which is always good fun i had a, i had a feeling before i even clicked on the article saying you know fans are excited that vogel is back it's like i bet i bet they searched uh what Vogel.co.uk actually is. I bet they did that. Yeah. I bet they mentioned. I mean, they're, they're journalists, right? They must have some sort of bone of curiosity. Journalistic in integrity. Well, let's not go that <laughs> far. But, yeah, I bought that about a year ago. Yeah. It's just been sitting there dormant waiting for somebody to notice. Have you seen an uptick in uh, in clicks to it? Nah. Nah. I, I don't think I can monitor it just because it forwards. So it's really hard to monitor what comes to the site directly or what comes from a forward i haven't been able to figure that out i'm sure like google analytics could do that for you well if you think so this is all very fascinating isn't it crack at it no another interesting thing that i did was (laughs) you managed to dig out the blue yeti microphone from podcasts gone by i did which allowed me to do a little silly project that i've been thinking about for a while yes that was also by the way on the list Oh, was it find, find the, the blue yeti? Right, find the yeti. Yeah. So, despite the fact that I talk into this microphone for about three hours a week, mm-hmm. and and various guises with various different podcast hats on, I find it really hard to talk into a microphone when there's nobody else listening, and it needs to happen in an empty house. I've decided. So, when you guys were away, yeah, watching Sing, Sing Two, Two, unfortunately, I watched Bullseye and provided a running commentary on it. Oh, and Benny was at uh, Driver's Head. Yeah. I think I figured out what was going wrong with the audio. It was it was converting to a, to a strange format, so I think I fixed that. Huh. So if I do it again, it should sound better. Excellent. Yeah. <sighs> oh, and I will be uh, um, a guest on a podcast called Boobies and Newbies in April. So very excited about that. Going to be talking about uh, romance novels. Do you read romance novels? Not typically. <laughs> that should be fun. That's that's the newbies part. Okay. <laughs> Excellent. Well, uh, look forward to hearing more about that yes. nearer the time. Remember that one romance novel that I read while we were driving somewhere? And the one that I you complained about every five minutes? The whole way through? Because yeah. it was ridiculous? Mm-hmm. Yeah. This should be a better one. I'll look forward to that. Yes, me too. Shall we preamble, my dear? Yes, please. Give us some of that romantic Cory news. Oh. Right button. Right button. This new year is looking up. <laughs> right. <laughs> With the 
return of Charlie Cox as Daredevil and Vincent D'Onofrio as Kingpin, Marvel fans are hopeful that other characters from the early TV shows will appear again as well in upcoming projects. That would be good news for former Adam Barlow star Ian DeKaysticker, who played Agent Dr. Leo Fitz on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. for seven years. And every time he was on screen and I was watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and you would walk in the room, you would say, Fitz, son... Blah, blah, blah. What? In a weird accent. You don't remember this. No idea what you're talking about. You'd walk in the room and you'd be like, you'd hear him talk because he's Scottish. Mm-hmm. And you'd be like, fit son, blah, blah, blah. Like a weird old man Scottish accent. Did I? Yes. No memory of this at all. <sighs> I'm getting old. <laughs> Either that, it just happens so often. Folks may have noticed we didn't get any Corey on Friday night. This was once again due to the damned football, as Manchester City dueled with Swindon for the FA Cup. No, they didn't. <laughs> then what happened? They didn't duel for the FA Cup. Well, they they fought hard on the pitch. Yeah, this is battling like round one or whatever, round three of the the FA Cup. This is this is nobody won the FA Cup on Friday. Okay. Well, then you're, I was misled by. You're adorable. <laughs> I am adorable. This is true. That damned football it keeps messing up our stories. Yeah, because we were done on, on Wednesday. Yeah, which is, was actually kind of nice. I'm, I'm not really complaining about it. it. Other people complained. But it, yeah. It meant that I was able to watch all of Corey Friday morning instead of Friday evening. Right. <laughs> and that was helpful. <laughs> and then I watched uh, all of the latest season of Shetland, which was excellent as always. I Meh. love that show. <laughs> Oddly, very few sheep in that show. Really? Yeah. Even when they're out and about, you know, driving around the Shaggy the sheep. islands. And, you know, there's nothing for miles and miles. You're selling the show to me. Absolutely. <laughs> it's very good. I like it a lot. Anyway. Yeah, anyway. <clears throat> that word that we use when we want to move on? Anyway. Anyway. Finally, fans are outraged. <laughs> Outraged, I say, as Peter vapes in the pub illegally. No one wears masks in hospital, and the implication that Tim might wear sexy underwear f- with his wife is far too kinky for prime time. It's like we're watching a soap opera or something. How dare, how dare people who are in a consensual sexual relationship do fun things with one another? Shame on them. And, and, and tell a nation about it. Right, yeah. It's not like Tim was modeling it for us. I think it creates an image in the head of Tim's magnetic pouch. Which is fun. Uh, I actually looked up the whole vaping thing as well. I don't think it's illegal, but I think it's hard to administer. Because to anyone who's trying to monitor this, it's very hard to tell if someone is smoking or vaping. Right. But he was vaping quite a bit. Yeah. It's illegal here, but I think it's state by state. Probably. Yeah, thanks to thanks to Shetland that I know that um, assisted suicide is is still illegal in the UK. I had no idea. Where would we be without Shetland? <laughs> yeah. Did you stop? That's, and Corey, that's News. Corey News. That's Corey News. On mailbag very quickly. 
A friend of the podcast, John Giovinacci, got in touch. I'm calling foul on the Nick v Sam chess match. Nick said bishop to c6, but Sam moved it to c7 on his board. And then Sam said king to d6, but moved it to d7, which was an illegal move as it meant he was now right next to Nick's king. A move you cannot make. I'm off to tell Roy, and there will be repercussions. There will be. Thank you very much. I also noticed that uh, Mary touched one of the pieces and then failed to move it, mm-hmm. which I think is illegal as well. I think if you touch it, you have to move it. See, I didn't think that that was true. I know in checkers, you don't have to. Yeah, thankfully we're talking about chess, though. Yeah. But thanks for that uh, checkers or drafts fact. So much chess in, in popular television these days. I wonder why. So much chess. I wonder why. I <coughs> Queen's Gambit. <coughs> right. Well, that's what I was including in popular television. I think that kind of spurred. I wonder. I wonder if we would have chess. I'm. I'm, I'm pleased to have chess and Corey because I like Roy playing chess right. with Mary. I but think I wonder Roy if it was would. playing chess before Queen's Gambit came out. He wasn't influenced by the Netflix show. I don't think so. Hmm. Roy doesn't seem to be one to be influenced. Do you know there's a, a Queen's Gambit board game out? Is it called Chess? No. <laughs> and now we'll podcast for coffee. <laughs> Thanks to Trisha this week for our coffees. Thank you. We don't know where Trisha's from, so we can't say like Norwegian Trisha. Huh. So it's just Trisha, which is fine. We could call her Norwegian Trisha. Until we know otherwise. Or Swaziland Trisha. It's like Schrodinger's cat. Until we know whether she's Norwegian or not. <laughs> or um, Luxembourgian. Oh? Is it Luxembourgian? You'd have to ask the six people who live in Luxembourg. <laughs> Norwegian Trisha says, have a wonderful 2022 and look forward to more of your thoughts on the shenanigans of the street. Thank you so much, Trisha, for our coffees. I'm drinking mine out of our uh, letterhead talk of the street yeah. mug. And you. And I'm using the, uh, one of those butterfly ones from my dad's ex-fiance, Pam. You're getting better and better at saying that every time you have to. Yes. Because now you remember her name without... Without yeah, having without having it. to run through the list. Yeah, if you want, if you want to buy us next week's coffee, you can go to kofi.com slash the talk of the street. And now I'd like to give congratulations to Adi, Adam Hussein, who was the winner of our Corey Empty Cup Awards 2021. Huzzah! Which was announced, oh, what was it, Monday, Tuesday this week? Something like that. You did it, not me. Well, it's true for most things about this <laughs> podcast. <clears throat> It was a surprise one. I didn't expect this one to win. There was so many others that kind of dropped out, like Evelyn's uh, Balloon Benders. I liked uh, Can You Spare a Couple of Minutes with Gary. And then there was the Scorched Earth one with Sarah and Adam that Mm. never even made the final. Never even made the final. I wasn't surprised at all. I had faith in Addy all the way through. Did you really? Yeah. Anyway. Good kid. And now, this. You got the right button again. Well done, my darling. Thank you. <laughs> Just poking the right buttons left and right here. Oh, welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome to Last Year Tonight with me, John Oliver. Just enough time to talk about Sprite Police. Sprite Police. Are we talking about the fairies or the soda? That's right. This was Abby talking to Sally, who was objecting to Abby going to the pub 
presumably to get wrecked because Abby was supposed to be off the booze. All right, Sprite police, says Abby. That doesn't make any sense to me at all. What is what does Sprite have to do with boozing it up? Because she wasn't boozing it up. She was making sure that she wasn't boozing it up. Right. So she's, but she's policing. She's policing her her use of Sprite. I don't care. Don't take it with me. I didn't write it. I was Gavin and you were sitting in the bathtub. This was, was week one of the bathtub sessions. I don't think I've ever been entirely sure why you were in that bathtub, but you were in that bathtub for a while. It was it was the best place to record with few echoes. Few, the fewest echoes. There was few echoes in a bathtub? I'd have thought a bathtub would generate echoes. No, especially with the curtains closed. I was completely surrounded by the curtains. And I had lots of cushions underneath me. It was quite cosy, actually. <laughs> the first big meme of the year was Sally's hat, which was described as a pie, a flan, and a quiche online. Aha. Uh-huh. In prison, someone has stolen Gary's shoes and socks, but he still manages to give a fairly bleak message to Faye to let him carry the can for Adam's assault. Abby gets her hands on a big pickup truck and a teeny tiny bullhorn as the residents continue their protests against Ray's Coronation Towers development. Oh God, remember? That was a year ago. It was a year ago. Arthur's return last week turns out to be fleeting and he threatens to take her Evelyn with him as he gives her 24 hours notice to decide if she wants to join him in Canada. I'd completely forgotten about that. There was a threat of Evelyn moving to Canada. Yeah. I bet she kind of wishes she'd done that now. (laughs) No one is prepared. For the suddenness of Grace's release from prison and reintroduction to the street. After around 40 years, Johnny's day in court finally arrives, leaving a frantic and panicked Jenny to get her felt tips out. But not like that. <clears throat> Addy is reminded that there really is nothing he can do to earn any lasting praise or attention from his father when the mock results are announced from his exams. Dr Gadas doesn't recommend coffee after six. Roy knows arguably too much about donkey jackets. PC Tinker urges calm. And our moment of the week was Tyrone and Evelyn not saying what they meant to say as she prepares to leave for Canada. And our boring moment of the week was Jenny colouring in Daisy won the second two-second smile fade of the week. And that was Coronation Street and the talk of the street. This time last year. Shall we dive in? Amadea. Yes, please. Back to the normal just three episodes now that we're into the usual out of the cycle of oh, thank God. festivities, thank God. So our first line this week is Abbey New Year. On Monday, Happy New Year! Kev is annoyingly cheery while Abby clearly has stuffs on her mind that she, she tries to mask. a penguin pillow. Yeah. Meanwhile, Imran is having similar issues with Toya who wants to know where he was last night. Imran quickly makes up a story that he suffers from old Lang Syne phobia. He changes tact and says that he had Kelly on his mind. Toya thinks there are other things to worry about. Much disrespect to old Lang Syne and uh, and Corey this week. Yeah. Yeah. As Emma butchers it. Yes. Singing in the car and getting the word wrong. Totally wrong. We'll get to that. Imran is out for a jog and gets a call from Abby. She wants this sorted. So they meet up in the community garden and they discuss the options. Abby hasn't had a test yet, but if she is pregnant, and she's 99% sure that she is, it's definitely not Kev's if... You know what I mean. So that means they went away on that romantic honeymoon and did not shag at all. I, th- I do not believe this. I thought they made a point of... Shagging. <laughs> or there was something where Abby was like, you're in tonight. And yeah. Kev was rubbing his wee hands together like... Yes. Yeah. 
I like I she, do not she, find this believable at all. No, but I guess we've got to take Abby's word for it. And granted, it's it's not the worst unbelievable thing that happens this week on the street. So I, I suppose I shall give Abby a pass. Interesting. <laughs> Abby promises to get a test, but if it's positive, she's definitely going to tell Kev. Imran would rather that she got a secret abortion. Kev doesn't need to know. Kev doesn't need to know what, says Kev, who appears like a bad smell. <laughs> Thinking on her feet, Abby accuses Imran of trying to bully her into attending a different meeting from Kelly. This is Abby trying to get Imran beaten up again. Yes, seriously. Kev's had enough of this. He tells Imran to back the fuck up or he'll belt him. And Kev drags Abby away. Imran goes to the garage later looking for Abby, but he can only find Tyrone. He's suspicious as fuck, but thankfully Tyrone is thick as fuck and doesn't notice. Back home, Toya can still smell that something's up with Imran. He's about to spill when Abby buzzes asking to come up. Imran shits his pants, right in his pants. Wonder what she wants, says Toya. So Abby comes up and tells Imran and Toya that everything's okay and there's nothing to worry about. Toya's confused and Abby uses Kelly as a coded excuse. Again. She's putting all that and the past behind her, she says loudly for the tape. Abby leaves them to it. Imran is a little too obviously relieved. Mm. And then that's all that happens in that storyline this uh, week. Thank God. A bit of nothing burger though, isn't it? Right, yeah. I, thank God it was a nothing burger, but at the same time, what the hell? She was 99% sure she was pregnant. Right. It's been a while, though. <laughs> right. Maybe she just had indigestion. That's weird. Or I mean, was constipated. See, this is my my concern is in soap. Uh-huh. No one's dead until you see them dead. Right. If someone falls off something, a la Phelan, for example, yes. falls into the ocean or the Irish Sea. Right. Oh, everyone thinks he's drowned, but he's not drowned because you didn't see a dead body. Normally in soap, when someone's taking a pregnancy test, you see them with a pregnancy test. Right. And you see the result. Yeah. And we haven't seen that. No. So, I don't know whether I believe this or not. Because it is such a damp squib of, squib of a story if she isn't pregnant. I don't want her to be pregnant. I don't want it to be, I don't want her to be pregnant either, but... Again, stupid, oh, God, no, what if it's a brown baby right. thing? Just so tacky. It's 2022, for God's sakes. Um, yeah, I don't know, maybe she's going for it. Uh, she's gonna. She's decided to just have a secret abortion. That would make more sense. And, and then but then somebody's going to see gonna find out about it. Right, yeah. And somehow somebody's going to find out about it. I don't know. Well, so or, th that's where the story is. The story is that she was pregnant and Kev didn't know about it and then finds out about it. Maybe that's where the story lies. They have been quite sly about pregnancy stories lately. Like, remember Alina? Where it, it, she was, was she, pregnant she? Mm -hmm. and then she was. And then she was pregnant again and then she wasn't. But yet she was but because she, she doesn't was. drink alcohol on the way back to Romania and, and touches her tummy. Her, her tummy. And then Grace, who didn't have a baby, but then was pregnant with a baby, but this had baby. to prove to Michael that the baby was his baby. And then Michael had to be proven to be Ed's baby. <laughs> and now Sarah's Michael eating... Michael was a fairly large baby. <laughs> he was. He was. He was a man baby, if you can believe. Right. 
But that's the right context. <laughs> so that doesn't count. And and now Sarah's eating lots of pasta. Sarah is eating a lot of pasta. Sarah's eating a lot of pasta. And she's been quite uh, specific about that. Yes. Yeah, where she, she doesn't w- go to the bistro for a meal. She goes to the bistro for pasta. Right, twice this week. Sarah goes to the bistro for pasta. So is it twice? Are you sure you didn't watch the same scene twice? No, okay. it was it was twice. Interesting. We'll see how that lands. But I'm I'm a little <laughs> reluctant to believe that that's it. All right, let's move on then to our second storyline this morning, which is lessons with Faye. On Monday, Faye is driving a drunken Emma home, singing "Old Lang Syne" wrong when an old bloke with a boot on his foot drops his shopping and his ginger nuts roll into the street, but not like that. And Faye knocks him down. But not like that. Faye, after she knocks him down, she doesn't seem entirely... Upset. Right. And she kind of seems like she wants to to hit and run a little. It's Emma who's actually upset. Right. Right. So the bloke gets up, taking blame for not looking where he was going. He's actually quite cheery as the whole thing right, transpires. Yeah. He's cracking little jokes and right. he's been quite charming. He's he a charming lovely. old man, right? He's a clean old man. Faye and Emma help him up. He says he's fine and refuses to be taken to the hospital. His son will fuss too much about it. He does need a ride home, though. That would be useful. Yes. So the girls get him home and they make sure that he doesn't want to go to the hospital. But the only thing Ted is interested in is getting a cup of tea and some ginger nuts. Faye goes to oblige and loses a fake nail down the drain. Right, yes. And then Emma bores him with the story of Curtis. Right. Well, poor old man, hasn't the he? The whole story hasn't his day of been Curtis. shit enough already? He's been knocked down and now he's got to listen to the fucking Curtis Tell me about story the from barrels. start to finish. Right. Uh, aye, aye, aye. So yeah, Faye loses a plot nail down the drain. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Ted is a bit of a character. In other words, he's off his nut and he never shuts up. Mm. Off his ginger nuts. Indeed, they get yes, home. Lots of jokes about gin- his his ginger nuts. Mm-hmm. I made a, a couple of them myself while yes. you were fucking about in your phone. <clears throat> so <laughs> Emma and Faye get home. I was about to say Amy. Emma <laughs> and Faye get home and are met by Imran, who's out on a jog. He learns that Emma is still drunk and points out that he, she was in no fit state to give someone a driving lesson. It's just lucky you weren't in an accident. He says portentously. Or you could have been in a massive trouble. Imran's jogging a lot. Mm-hmm. Emma is about to conversationally confess, but Faye cuts her off. It was a mistake, it'll never happen again. Imran realises that he's been shouting at two young women and quickly cools his jets. Then Craig is out with Faye at the bistro. It's that runner's high. He's been, th- he's been thinking about New Year and new beginnings and asks if they can move in together. Faye seems resigned to the storyline and so agrees. <laughs> cool, he says. Yeah, this is... Oh dear. Later, Faye and Emma catch up at home. Emma is already having a crisis of conscience about this and wants to go and make sure Ted is okay. Faye agrees to anything given that she's so giddy about moving in with Craig. (laughs) Uh. So they go to see him, but he doesn't answer the door. Yeah, they bring him more ginger nuts. Thanks to an earlier comment about Ted's birthday, Emma is able to crack into Ted's key safe and then gain entry to the flat where they find that Ted is where they left him, except now... Ted's Ted is dead. dead. Right, right dead, said Fred to Ted. Whose biscuits are they? They're not biscuits, baby. They're ginger nuts. Whose ginger nuts are they? Ted's. Who's Ted? Ted's dead, baby. Ted's dead. 
copyright Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> Emma wants to call the police, but Faye is already thinking that this could end in her going back to jail. <laughs> Emma says it was an accident, and apart from all the stuff they did wrong, they didn't do anything wrong. No. No, he kind of just stumbled in their path. Right, it's like they didn't deliberately knock him down. No. Although Faye looked like she enjoyed it. <laughs> but let's skip over that. Faye suggests that they go like they were never here. Emma worries that leaving a dead man in his flat must be illegal. She's uncomfortable that her options seem to be to tell the truth and go to jail or keep it secret and live with the guilt. Faye reckons Ted's son checks on them regularly and will find them soon. <sighs> Faye kind of guilts Emma into keeping Stum here. It's the fact that they, within the first moments of this happening, right. that their first thought is going to jail. Right. They're convinced that they're going to go to jail for this. Right. For helping an old man. Well. And knocking him down, obviously. For, for knocking him down. For Emma still being... And not being, reporting it. For Emma... Yeah. And for Emma still being drunk in the car with Faye. There are lots of things. And even though Ted said that, you know, he was the one at fault, he's dead. So his testimony doesn't count. All his testimony. That's what I said. Testimony. Right. But now they get the marigolds out and they clean up Ted's flat, which makes it now they're now that it feels like they're moving into more illegal territory. Right, here. it's hilarious because they've 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 got the gloves on and they're cleaning the flat. But as they're moving around the flat, cleaning the flat, I'm sure they're shedding hair yeah. and other things around that flat. And you know they've got their shoes on a newspaper. And was choosing to vacuum, which doesn't seem to be the smartest idea either. They're getting ready to leave. Right, because the noise. Right. <laughs> when there's a knock at the door and the two of them freeze in the kitchen. It's supposed to be with a parcel and he sees Emma through the letterbox. Emma suspiciously goes to sign for it and sends a postman on his way. And she manages to do this without really revealing her face mm-hmm. through the door. Faye thinks this ruins everything and tells Emma to get rid of her woolly baseball cap. But before they leave, Emma says a few words in apology to dead Ted. We'll never forget you, she promises, even though they only met him today and killed him. <laughs> Faye and Emma get back to the street and are about to dispose of the bag of their cleaning products when Craig appears out of nowhere. He's been flat hunting on his own and thinks that they're a bit distracted. They blame the booze and Faye sends Craig on her way, promising that they can look at the flats together later. Mm-hmm. Back at the flat, Emma has already given herself a hard time. They're already lying to people. Well, get used to it, says Faye, because there's more of that ahead. Emma now thinks that she's just as bad as Curtis, except she's lying to cover up a murder. It's not murder, says Faye, and she makes Emma promise to take the secret to the grave. Otherwise, everyone she knows, loves, and has a passing acquaintance with will go to jail. Yeah. And that brings us on to this week's Hard Debate. Emma has promised Faye that she will take the secret to the grave, but how long do you think it will be before Emma blabs? Tuesday? Later on Tuesday? Wednesday? Or the grave? I think I picked Wednesday. Yeah. We have two, two firsts happen on this poll. <laughs> we have a tie for the winning what? selection. Wow. Tuesday and later on Tuesday both got 37.5%. Wednesday got 24.1%, but the grave, with the lowest result we've ever seen on the hard debate, with 0.9%, wow. comes in fourth place. So no one thinks... That she's taking it to the grave. Or, right, so... No. Th- th- which suggests that she's not going to not blab. No. 
But we knew this because right. she's Emma. And drama. And she has a conscience, unlike Faye. Right. On Tuesday, Faye is up early doom scrolling on her phone when Craig gets up and tries to joke about her dreaming about him or Spider-Man last night. Seems she was tossing and turning, but not like that. Faye writes it off as getting used to being out, but not like that either. Faye's not the only one who's been having a hard time. Emma catches up with her and asks if she's heard anything. And Faye's a bit of a bitch to Emma, angry to be talking about this and determined to ignore it and go about her day. Then Steve comes over to check on Emma, thinking that she's still pining for Curtis, and insists to take her to Nina's so he can pretend to be French. Isn't it Roy's again? No, because it was signed over. Nina's not signed it back. That's true. She's keeping that. Still says Roy's. Mm-hmm. It's Nina's rolls at heart, though. Mm. So Nina's rolls, Emma is checking the Weather Gazette online for news on TED. The TED section of the Weather Gazette is, is empty at the moment, though. Steve recaps on the Lion Curtis situation and praises Emma for ultimately making the right decision. Lies weigh you down, he says, ominously. So Amy meets up with Emma outside Nina's Rolls and as they're chatting, we see Tim in the background going into the boot of the taxi and coming out with a crutch. He brings her across the street and asks Emma where it came from. So Emma claims it was hers, part of a fancy dress costume. Amy has a million questions, so Emma, so Emma tells her she was Tiny Tim, grabs the crutch and runs away with it. Faye is chatting to Michael in the factory when Emma comes running into the factory, even though she doesn't work at the factory, still holding the crutch. Faye quickly ushers Emma outside, and Emma explains about her lie and the fancy dress party thing, and the crutch has got Ted's initials carved into it. Of course it does. For some reason. So that, you know, he doesn't mix it up with somebody else's crutch. Some really nice banter between Faye and Michael. Was it? Yeah. Feels like feels like the, the Baileys have... Uh, have gotten around quite a bit this week except for james we don't see any of james this week no we see the other three yep yep <laughs> that's, that's all we've got to say about that oh no ronnie either unfortunately yep ronnie in his arms it's big man arms <laughs> it's big man arms big man baby arms <laughs> so Faye tells Emma to calm down. Emma wants to go back to the flat, but Faye points out that they've done everything wrong here and she can't go back to the place, not ever. But in an unknown but leafy part of town later, Emma has ditched the crutch and goes to the phone box where she calls the police, pretending to be Ted's concerned neighbour who hasn't seen him in a few days. Back at the factory, Faye's looking for flats. Michael is playing golf. Nobody's working. <laughs> Michael is impressed when she announces that she's moving in with Craig, but reckons that's probably why Emma was twitchy earlier, because her friends are moving on. Then Faye gets a text from Craig to let her know that something's come up at work and he's going to be late. At home, Faye breaks the news that she and Craig are going to move in together. Tim calls him a lucky man, and at that, Craig arrives to whisk her way to the Rovers. Right, disappointed that she didn't wait for him to tell Tim that they were moving out. I didn't even know Craig had moved in. No, not Sally really. and Tim's. Because you never see him coming down the stairs of Discovery. You do see him this week. Well, yeah, you see him this week in, in, in oh, Faye's robe. Oh, oh boy, do you see him. Chugging chugging Sally's pineapple smoothies. But not like that. <laughs> <laughs> so in the rovers, Craig regales Michael and Emma how his latest case involves an old man who was found dead in his own home out of ginger nuts. And because of some bruising and an anonymous tip-off, he has suspicions of foul play. Faye knows who the tip-off was and goes for a word with Emma outside and actually takes her back to the flat. 
Emma calls Faye cold for her reaction to this and explains that she called from a phone box so she's in the clear. And she is. She's so cold. Faye is the worst. Really? She's really just the worst. Yep, she's learnt a lot of things in jail. Capital W, worst. Worst. Faye reckons that she's been seen on CCTV, Emma that is, Mm -hmm. and Emma reacts like she never thought of that. Faye can't wait until Imran hears about this. She's never going back to prison and if Emma gets caught, she's on her own. Fuck you, Faye. That was an awful thing to say. Seriously, especially since if Emma had had her way, she would have called the police right away upon finding Ted dead. Right. On Wednesday, Sally has been waiting an age to get in the shower, which has been hogged by Craig. Finally comes down the stairs of Discovery to discover that he's wearing Faye's dressing gown. Later, it seems, Craig has been uh, downing Sally's pineapple smoothies and Craig resolves to find a place to live today. Faye finds Emma in Nina's roles and asks for a minute, but Emma has no minutes to give Faye, nor fucks. Emma knows where she stands now and she gets up and leaves. But not giving up, Faye goes to the rovers to tell Emma that according to Craig, the police are going to search Ted's flat and if they find her false nail down the sink, they're fucked. Would they be? I don't know if... I don't know what level of investigation she thinks is... Like, an old man has died. Right. That, on the surface of it, looks like there may have been some... May have been something to cause that. Right. But I don't think anyone's going to be, like, draining no. the pipes. Yeah, nobody thinks he's been murdered. No, it's like he's, Just he's, a he's had a fall death. or something and then he's died. Right. And also, that nail... And granted, I haven't seen it because I don't think... I don't think we see Faye's nails ever close enough to see her wearing fake nails. She doesn't seem the type to wear fake nails. I was surprised when she said she had lost a fake nail. I was surprised too, and I don't normally notice things like that. That's true, because you didn't notice Jennifer Lawrence's hair and don't look up. Correct. (sighs) I've actually seen photographs of it now, and I still don't know what's wrong with it. (laughs) But anyway, it's, it's it's a fake nail. It doesn't have your fingerprints on it because it, or her name on it. Because I'm, I'm assuming she got it done in a salon, and I'm I'm assuming that was a while ago. You don't tend to touch your fingernails, so I don't. Even I, if the, the fact that, that fingerprints are found on things is a bit of a fallacy, anyway. Right, fingerprints aren't as reliable as as drama. And it would, would only like be a partial believe. print if that. Plus, it's been down the drain. So who knows how washed over and how far down it got. If that gun could float all the way out. Well remembered. Well remembered. That fingernail is long gone. Because remember, that happened before they were doing all the washing up in that house. Right. Emma takes Faye through the back. Faye wants to go back to the flat. Emma points out that it's not her nail. Faye insists that they're in this together. Like last night, asks Emma, which forces Faye to apologise. But Emma refuses to go back and says that she needs to start thinking about herself. Plus, it would be really dumb because it's crawling with cops. Right. Even though it's Craig. Or is it Craig? No, it's No, it's, it's not other Craig. people. Right. The forensics team. Competent police people are there. Yes, we, we hope. Back at, back at Sally's, Craig has some good news for Faye. He's found a place for them to live. <sighs> They're going to move in with Tyrone and Emma, who he calls two fairly cool dudes. Does he really say dudes? He doesn't say dudes. I think he did say dudes. He said cool, definitely. Yeah, he said very cool 
guys, people? maybe? Maybe people. People. Isn't that Ace, says Craig. Yes, that is Ace, says Faye. Meaning asexual, because that's what this relationship is. I don't know. Since since Craig's been getting his hole on a regular basis, he seems to be is he carrying though? a bit of swagger with him, doesn't he? Is he, though? He was all shoulders and arms uh, this week, I thought. It's like, fucking hell. Craig, They're what? sleeping in the same bed. I do not believe those two people are having sex, because... Chemistry. Right. <laughs> Sally gets home from the... I think we've talked about that. We have. It hasn't changed. No. Sally gets home from the shops and learns that Craig and Faye are moving out to live with Tyrone. Sally's thrilled to hear this and goes straight to the attic to get their suitcases before they can change their minds. Faye already wants to check to make sure Emma is cool with this. And this is a nice little callback because I'm sure Sally has never been happy with this. I think Sally, having Faye there, has been a bit of an inconvenience to her. Right. So I'm glad that... Because of all the kinky sex. And the little sex dungeon that that Sally's been building in the house. Sally. (sighs) Faye bumps into Faye. Faye bumps into Faye. Faye bumps into Faye. She's having an existential crisis and bumps into herself. Emma bumps into Faye and Craig with the suitcases. Going on the holiday, asks Emma. Nope, says Craig, waving the keys at her. We're moving in with you. And Emma pretends that this is fine and is in fact a capital idea. Yeah, yeah. Good job, Tyrone. So they're partially moved into the flat and Emma gets to tell Faye that she'd rather flat share with someone she can trust. Thank you very much. Faye apologises again and says that they can stay out of each other's way in that tiny little flat. Uh-huh. Policeman Craig is ready to come in his pants about living with Tyrone and Emma and fails to read the room. Faye gently probes Craig about Ted. But not like that. And Craig. <laughs> Although if you were to probe Craig, I think it would gently. One would hope. Ted and Craig. Dr. and Craig. Fucking hell. <laughs> Craig, Craig reveals... <laughs> it's just the idea of... <laughs> very tentatively. <laughs> oh. Emma's got a side job on an alien spaceship now. A very specific side job. Yes. She does the gentle probing. That's the gig economy for you. <laughs> Craig reveals that they've learned that Ted told uh, got a delivery of a parcel and they're tracking down the delivery driver to see if he can tell them anything. Craig is off for a shite, so Faye and Emma can talk about the parcel and the forgotten nail. Emma is now very worried that they'll get nabbed and Faye insists that they stick together and that's as far as we get with that this week. Do well, I? That, ha- that took a turn. Do I hate this? Yes, I do. I hate that we get a lovely character like Ted and immediately kill him off. Right. <laughs> I hate that Ted has a whole built apartment and and yet we still haven't seen Sarah and Adam's place. Or Peter and Carla's. Yeah. I thought I thought I recognised where the, the front door was. Uh-huh. And it made me think that it was uh, Nina and Richard's flat when Roy and Carla went round uh huh. But I checked it, and I don't think it is. But there's something about it that that strikes me as being familiar. Yeah. Mm. But the fact you're right. The fact that they had a set for his flat, obviously they needed it. Right. They couldn't. They couldn't go round to Gales and, right. and no. have this story there. No. Say being such a bitch. What a bitch. What a bitch. 
What a bitch. Was, was prison really that hard for her? She wasn't even there a whole year. Right, but she's come out. Oh, hard as nails. Hard as fake nails. Ivan. She just, she completely lacks emotion for anything. I think this is one of the problems with her and, and Craig's chemistry is that she just, she, she's so flat emotionally yeah. with everything. Well, she knocked somebody down and you, and if you looked at her, you would never have known. No. I mean, even when she was talking about Seb and missing Seb's funeral and stuff, she was kind of monotone mm-hmm. about it. Yeah, prison has had an effect on her. I think so. I, I, yeah, I, again, I'm not sure where we're going with the, this whole police investigation and the untimely death of a, a man who was fine. Right. I'm not even sure it's related to the to the accident. Yeah. He's yeah. just died. Right, because he what wasn't exactly he wasn't exactly in great health to begin with, because he'd already broken his foot. Let's remember, and also you'd you'd think that the police would be like, "Oh, there's bruising on his body. Oh, well, there's also a boot on his foot, so obviously he broke his foot. Right. So maybe the bruising is from that, the breaking of the foot. Right. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. Are they going to throw Faye? Back in prison. Are they going to put Emma, of all people, in prison? I don't know, but she can't get a break for loving her money at the moment. She She's really can't. just finished with the Curtis storyline and right. starts doing with this killing an old man storyline. Right. What are they try to do to her? It's just pretty break her. At least Michael asked her out for a drink, so that's something for her to look forward to. Oh, did that happen? Yes. <laughs> I missed that. Oh, well, moving on then to our next storyline is Silent Sam. On Monday, Roy is setting up his chessboard. Or chess not so silent, Sam. Ahead of, don't, don't you spoil it. We Roy, heard him talking last week. Roy is setting up his chessboard ahead of his annual game with Mary, who apparently sings before making a move. At the bistro, Nick is creepily... Not surprised. Nick is creepily watching Sam chat to Hope on the walkie-talkie. Nick thought Sam would have continued to progress, but he hasn't. Leanne urges patience, but instead Nick tries to trick Sam into talking with the offer of a sausage butty, but Sam isn't falling for it. So at Nina's rolls, Roy and Mary are playing chess. Sam takes an interest and so stays to watch while Nick goes off to complete a plot-driven errand. And Sam is enjoying watching the game, which Roy ultimately wins. Mary challenges him to a best of three and invites Sam to come round to learn the game, reckoning that he could become a grandmaster despite never ever playing. Well, we assume never ever playing. On Tuesday, at Nina's Rolls, Mary tells Roy to go easy on Sam in the chess game. Come on to fuck, she says. He's only ten. But Roy seems to think that it's important to learn lessons about chess as early as possible, like getting pummeled into the ground by an old man you once thought of as being kind. Right. Mary decides to go first. <laughs> so Nick and Gail are at number eight chatting about Sam going back to school. Gail thinks it's the best place for him. Nick agrees and tells her about the chess games with Roy and Mary. Gail, for some reason... Worries about Sam hanging around with them. Nick right. doesn't care if it draws Sam out of himself. What's Gail's problem? Gail seems quite snooty about people on the street, doesn't she? Yeah. yeah. She, she, worked, she worked very closely with Roy. Yes. And Roy's roles way back in the day. Yes. In the, the classic Cory era at the mm-hmm. moment. So you'd think that he would, she would be pleased with this. Yeah, it's only Leanne that she hates. I don't even know that she hates Leanne anymore. And uh, Eileen. She hates oh, yeah, Eileen. Eileen smash, yeah. 
Nick drops Sam off at Nina's Rolls. He's eager to get started and sets up the board, making his opening move before Roy can coach him. Mary and Roy continue to disagree about the best way to do this, and Roy seems oddly reluctant to be doing it in the first place. I remember there was a bit where, oh, you can come round, and Roy, Roy didn't seem sure about it. I don't know why. So Sam beats Mary three times. I think Roy has enough fragile children to, oh, to worry about. Nick reminds Sam to thank her. And next up is Roy, who beats Sam in three moves. The fool's mate, says Roy, and upset, Sam runs away. Roy is confused. Surely Sam was keen to learn. And Mary gives Roy a stern talking to, but Roy insists that lying is never the solution to a problem. She gives him a Paddington stare. Well, she does. Back home, Nick is furious with Roy, now worried that we're back to square one. <sighs> Fuck off, Nick. Seriously. But then... All the way off. Gail tells him that he should back off. He cares far too much about everything. And meanwhile, Sam is quietly looking up fool's mate on his iPad. He right, seems to yeah. be actually fine. Fine, yeah. Yes. And yes. Gail says... Gail says, the one who cares the least has the most power. Which was odd. An odd uh, thing to what say. What does she mean by that, do you think? <sighs> That if you're the person that cares the most in a relationship, then the other person has power over you because you can be manipulated. But Sam's not manipulating Nick, but Nick has no power over Sam because he cares too much and is constantly tripping over himself, getting in Sam's way. Which is true. Yeah. And also, Gail likens this whole situation, not 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 to Nick's upbringing and no. Nick's dealing with a parent dying at an early age but with david right who arguably is her most problematic child but right anyway. <sighs> on wednesday no on wednesday nina rolls roy checks to make sure that sam isn't too downhearted about yesterday's chess game nick thinks roy must be very proud of beating a 10 year old Roy checks and Sam is still keen to play again today and privately Nick asks Roy to go easy on Sam this time and Roy tells Nick to get to fuck. At the bistro, Seriously, fuck Nick, off Nick. Nick announces that he's set up a trust for Sam and then starts bitching about Roy and chess. Leanne, rather than urging patience for a change, tells Nick to grow a fucking set, quit being such a little bitch and let Sam lose at chess for fuck's sake. It's not the end of the world. She also seems a little put out about this whole trust for Sam thing. Like, maybe this is something that Nick should have talked to to her about, right. considering that their money is kind of combined in mm-hmm. the bistro and everything. I think it's only fair that Natasha's money goes to Sam, though. Well, yeah, but she, he's not talking about Natasha's oh, it was. money, is he? Yeah, the, the Natasha's money in the, the salons. Okay. Remember, she still owns a, a bunch of salons in London. Right. London! Right. <laughs> Determined to make that a thing. <laughs> We'll get another opportunity There's later on more. in the... There's a couple more coming yeah. up. Don't worry. I'll, I'll <laughs> I'm sure you were worried. my voice. <laughs> <clears throat> Sam and Nick arrive at Nina's Rolls. Nick apologises for his ridiculous behaviour earlier. Roy is more bothered that he's just lost a game to Mary and she and Roy think about strategies and famous moves to teach Sam. Nick bumps into Hope and asks for a word. Hope insists that she didn't put gum in Chloe's hair. Nick doesn't care 
He just wants to thank Hope for everything that she's doing for Sam, and Hope asks Nick if he wants to borrow her walkie-talkies, seeing as this seems to be Sam's preferred method of communication. So back at the bistro, Sam... Which is lovely of Hope. Yeah. Yeah. Deep down, she's a good kid. Altruistic, even. Yes. Deep down. There's so, a good kid in there somewhere. So back at the bistro, Sam and Nick are playing chess over the walkie-talkies with Sam in the office and Nick at the bar. And Sam thanks Nick for the burger and then promptly checkmates him. Get it right fucking up, you, says Sam. <laughs> and that's as far as we get with that this week. Yeah, that was good. Deli- I, this was delightful. It was right? delightful. I mean, Nick can fuck all the way off. All but... the way off. But, I, I mean, I, I get it, right? I get why he's... It seems true to character as well of what he's doing, but he's just been allowed to be this such a puddle, a puddle of misery right. round about Sam. Not helping for weeks now, which Not obviously doesn't help. No, you know what? There's a reason why people say put on a brave face, mm-hmm. right? Just yeah. act normally. Come on, you're British. Stiff upper lip. The kid will come out of his shell when he wants to, right? Or just hit him, and you'll say, "Ow." <laughs> There oh my are, god! There are options here, but but Nick just decides to be so drippy about it. Right? Yeah. So I'm glad that that seems to be over, and I'm glad that Sam is now getting back into the. Oh yeah, a little bit here and there. Right. You know, and any time you put Roy and Marion in, in into a storyline, it's going to be delightful. Yeah, and give them something to do that doesn't have anything to do with a plot. Right. And it's wonderful. Yeah. I could I could sit and watch Mary and Roy play chess all day. So many people have said this exact same thing. You yeah. know, just listening to the two of them and her singing her wee songs was, right. was quite yes. amazing as well. Yeah, it was good stuff. Love Very good story. stuff. Moving on to our next storyline this morning is Oversharing Sarah. On Monday, in Nina's Who roles, eats a lot of pasta. Sarah is on the phone to Lydia explaining how Adam came home at steamboats last night after drowning his post-argument sorrows. Remember, this is New Year's Day. He tries to win some brownie points by taking Harry off her hands for a kickabout. Daniel and Lydia walk by Adam and Harry. Adam is less than hospitable to them and accuses Lydia of trying to muck up his relationship with Sarah. Daniel is confused and Lydia says Adam is just projecting. So Sarah goes to the bistro, probably for pasta, and learns from Nick that Adam seemed a bit down earlier. Sarah explains about Adam's past with Lydia. Nick explains that they all have a history. Sarah wants to make Adam sweat, but asks Nick to tell Adam that she's ready to move on. Tell her your fucking self, says Nick. Right, yeah. And come on, Nick. Adam's list is a bit longer than everyone else's. Yeah. Even yours. <laughs> well, Sarah goes round to the law office and she and Adam put the last few days behind them. She points out that Lydia is now going out with Daniel and Adam couldn't care less. The only thing that matters is them. On Tuesday, Adam and Sarah are in Nina's roles early again. Sarah, who can only talk about Lydia these days, tells Adam that she has a meeting with Lydia later. Big wows, says Adam. He has a a boundary dispute case going on and he's actually won it. And later he's about to suggest a celebration lunch with Imran when he notices that the side of his car has been keyed. Whoa. But rather than think that this might be related to the case that he's just won, right. this hotly disputed case that he's right. just won. This hotly disputed boundary case. His blame immediately goes to Lydia, who he sees heading to the rovers. But Adam <laughs> follows her and accuses her of keying his car. She denies all knowledge and interest, but he tells her to grow the fuck up and get over him. He leaves but she seems shaken by this exchange and gets wired into the vino. Sarah, 
as she mentioned, is now meeting with Gavin and Lydia is late and is the one with the figures that they're there to talk about. Then she comes in pissed out of her nut and embarrassed. Gavin apologises and scorts her out. So Sarah goes... Shame on you, Gav. Yeah. You're such a bad boss. Yeah. You're so mean. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Sarah goes to the law office to talk to Adam about her favourite subject, Lydia. She tells him about her getting fired for turning up pish to the meeting. And Adam is unmoved when Sarah asks, what on earth possessed her to behave like that? And finally, Adam, Sarah and Nimran are able to celebrate his boundary dispute win at the bistro when Craig comes in to tell Adam that they caught the bloke who keyed his car. It was the losing party in the boundary dispute, would you believe? Plus, that Lydia bird was fucking pissed after they lifted her for nothing. And Craig happily just hangs about like a fart in a spacesuit as Sarah berates Adam and tells him to go find Lydia and apologise. It's just so weird just Craig standing there. Why are you still here? Yeah. And why are you telling Adam You've said what you need to say. Now get the fuck out and and go find a flat to live in with Faye. So Sarah... Investigate that old man's death. Sarah doesn't know that the car had been vandalised and and, and is told by Adam that it was just a little ding. Well, it was keyed all the way across. But Adam tells Sarah that it was just a little ding. Doesn't Uh tell her anything about this. And then... Adam has obviously gone to the police about Lydia mm-hmm. and they've taken her in for questioning. This has got completely about out of control. A car keying. So, so quickly this is, just is there thing no snowball. Other, is there no other work for the Weatherfield police to do oh God, it's just, on a Tuesday morning than drag a woman in for questioning on keying a car? Mm-hmm. Well, she's drunk, remember. Adam finds <sighs> Lydia outside Dev's and does his best to apologise recognising that he's the problem here and he offers to set the record straight with Gavin. Lydia isn't keen to accept his help. Turns out she hated her job and Gavin anyway, but flinches when Adam she reminds her... She hates you, Gav. This is, this is the curse of Gavin's. She hates you. It's not me that... They're... You're the worst. Because your name is Gavin. This is probably true, but... <laughs> you know, I, I think I'm the antithesis of Gavin's in fiction. So she flinches when Adam reminds her of her wee boy that she has to look after and needs a job and she insists that she's fine and leaves him to it. Adam goes back to the bistro and tells Sarah that's fixed but Sarah is so disappointed at his callous way of dealing with Lydia that she no longer feels like she wants to have a baby with him after all. Craig <laughs> is still standing there. <laughs> On Wednesday... It, it's, it's like uh, Eileen and, and the um, Undertaker... You know, off again, on again, off again, oh. on again, off again, on again. It gets boring. Stop it. Seriously. On Wednesday, Adam and Sarah walk into work. Her alarm goes off and he checks to see if it's her ovulation alarm. She answers loudly in the negative, which is heard by Daniel and Craig, who is still standing there, who has also heard that Lydia has lost her job. Ask him, snaps Sarah. Or ask him. Yeah, about why Lydia lost her job. Yeah. Yeah. And Nina Scholes, Adam explains to Daniel the recent events surrounding Lydia. Daniel isn't surprised that Sarah's back on the pill. Adam's fucked up her best friend's life. Adam promises to sort it. A near-wigging Shona says that if she was Adam's girlfriend, she'd have the STI clinic on speed dial. (laughs) At the factory, Sarah's surprised to see Lydia. It turns out that Adam has heard from Carla that she was looking for a PA. Adam put in a good word and bada-boom, bada-bing, Lydia starts next week. Now can I get my hole? asks Adam. Once again, 
somebody who should know something ahead of time yeah. finds out something that they should have known ahead of time. And at least they address it this time when Sarah says, you know, I'm not saying that I need to be kept in the loop about everything here, but come on, it guys. It would have been nice. Right. Then later, someone has scrawled, Mr. Osborne is a fanny on the windows. <laughs> no. Someone has scrawled, Barlow scum on the windows of the law office. And this time, Adam is sure it was the boundary dispute guy, which even Sarah thinks is far-fetched. And that's as far as we get with that this week. The issue that I think they create here is that even if Lydia is suddenly Sarah's best friend, Sarah just... Would you would you do as Sarah has done here, which is mention Lydia at every possible opportunity to Adam, who you know has slept with her? Or would you try and just maybe just skip over this now? Maybe don't talk to Adam about the guy that he's, or the, the girl that that he slept with 10 yeah. years ago, who you clearly have a problem with, or yeah. which you clearly have a problem with. The guy that he slept with would be much more interesting. Right. And you know there's got to be at least one. Oh, definitely, yeah. <laughs> Say it with some authority for some reason. <laughs> sure, of course you did. Of course, at least once in college. Twice, <laughs> a top and a bottom. I can't imagine Adam bottoming. I can. Anyway, <laughs> you have a much more vivid imagination than I do. Um, yeah, I. You know, it's it's not a situation I've ever been in. Typically, I'm the Lydia of the conversation. You're the psycho. She's not psycho. She's a little psycho. I don't think she's psycho. But no, I'm I'm the person that all of a sudden one of my my friends is dating my ex, or I become friends with someone who is dating my ex. Like you know, my relationship with with Leah, my ex husband's ex wife. Who was his yeah. wife after me? Buckle up, dear listener. <laughs> you know, she and I are became good friends, and we're still quite close. And I try very hard not to talk about our our, our mutual acquaintance when we're when we're talking and hanging out. You know, I try, try to talk about her life and and my life as much as possible because right, and that why seems- retread. Exactly, that, and that Old seems ground. by far the more sensible approach, that Sarah should, can still be friends with Lydia, but right. just don't talk to Adam about her. Why right. would you do that? She seems really kind of obsessed with the idea that... She feels, she seems really insecure in this relationship. Right, yeah. Like, like married. she'll be Right, and she's the only one he's ever married. He may have slept with lots of people, and but he's we, only married one. And if we ignore Carla... It's, um, right, yeah. You'd think that Carla would still make her more insecure than Lydia, someone he barely remembers from college. If we ignore Carla, ignore Lydia, and ignore Laura the Chin, he's been a perfect gentleman. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he shagged Laura the Chin, though, did he? I just looked like he was going to. Yeah, or did he? He came close. Did he? Maybe he did. I can't remember. Didn't she walk in on them? They were on a break. They were on a break. But He and Laura the Chin were on the couch together in the law office. Didn't he? And ha- it seemed like she was about ready to pounce on him. I've got that. But he invited it. 
Well, he was trying to track down right. Rick the Chin. Yes. Which, why did Adam care about Rick the Chin? I know why because Imran Sarah cared and about... Gary, Gary and Sarah looked like they were in cahoots. About something yeah. that had to do with Rick the Chin. Yeah. Okay, yeah. <sighs> Poor Rick the Chin. Our penultimate storyline is Painting Over the Past. Aw. On Tuesday at Speedal, Ed is finishing up with the remodel, at, which is very hexagonal heavy. Yes. Mariam comes in to speak with Zidane, offering to help up with the painting that's left to do. They've got to paint the tables for some reason. Just buy green tables. It's the least <laughs> that she can do after Hashim munched his way through the previous set. I think they're trying to save money. Zidane and Mariam are reminiscent as they paint the tables, but because it's a soap, if there's paint, someone has to get paint on their face and someone else has to wipe it off. And this happens and is seen by Alia. This and is Ryan. just what we need, she says. As they both throw up a little in their mouths. So Zidane and Mariam are continuing to get on while Alia and Ryan look on unimpressed. And privately, Zidane tells Alia that Mariam will be heading back to London. London! Soon and be out of their hair. Later, Mariam knows that she's in the way here and looks all sad in that. And Z looks like he's about to ask her to stay. So on Wednesday in the new look speed dial, which has neon outside and everything, Ooh. Jasmine insists that she's trying to get Zidane and Mariam back together and she thinks that they make a lovely couple. In they come, Mariam announcing that she's heading back to London, London after the grand reopening, to Alia's relief. Later in speed dial, homeless Stu, who I'm not sure is still homeless or not. No, he's living with Yasmin now, remember? He's living there? Yeah. Remember she invited him to, to move in? Well, part of that arrangement seems to be a lovely polo neck shirt. Yes, still cleans up well. He does. What a luscious head of hair he's got. He does. And they are adorable together. They are. I, I still wish they'd just make Yasmin a lesbian, but never mind. He offers to take a look at the lights in the office that's on Ed's snag list, and he gets himself tongue-tied as he chats with Yasmin as he inadvertently quotes from Tender Mercies, something that could be interpreted as flirtatious. Right, Tra- because it's a movie about... A guy who's down on his luck, who's invited right, a by a woman, stew, who is <laughs> by a woman, she who's given a job by a woman who owns a restaurant that burned down, and <laughs> and the guy's got this terrible cough. <laughs> Privately, Yasmin gets out her phone and <clears throat> voggles the movie Tender Mercies. Visit voggle.co.uk. Back from a shopping spree. So Dan and Mariam exchange farewell gifts. She's bought him an Arsenal shirt, which she doesn't approve of, and he's got a lovely watch. They share some delightful banter and agree that they enjoy being together these last few days and they will miss each other, and then they kiss, but because of COVID, we don't see it. Despite their fears and lingering hurt from before, Zidane wants to give their marriage another go, and Mariam says that she needs to think about it. So two seconds later, she's thought about it and she agrees. <laughs> Belter, says Zidane. Tell the farm and hire a U-Haul down to London. Dollywood! <laughs> but Mariam knows that he never settled there and she loves his family, so she'd rather stay here in Weatherfield. In Speeddale, Alia is surprised to see Zidane and Mariam canoodling and then her jaw drops when she learns that they're getting back and moving in. Privately, Alia asks Zidane if he's lost his fucking mind, but Zidane is thinking with his bobby and thinks everything's going to be fine because Alia's problem is... Why are you inviting the daughter of the man that we let die on this very living room floor back into our lives? Because he's married to her. Yeah. 
But it's it's and hilarious. Because I love Mariam. I do too. I want her to stay as as long as possible. Let's keep her and, and get rid of Zidane. Yeah. yeah, Zidane can do one, as I believe the kids are saying these it's, days. It's funny because we have three storylines like this where someone has moved into someone else's place and someone else thinks that this is a bad idea because they may find out something that would put someone in prison. I think they're kind of hoping that nobody points that out. <laughs> I just did. Because <laughs> we have Kelly living with oh, Gary you're now. To, you're going to list them now. Yes, we have Kelly living with Gary now and Maria saying point blank to Gary, this is a bad idea because what if you let slip that you murdered her dad? Mm-hmm. You have Marion moving in with Zidane. That we just talked about. And we have Emma and Faye who murdered poor Ted. They didn't murder him. They think they murdered him. They stole his ginger nuts. <laughs> they left him to die and didn't take him to the hospital. And they're afraid Craig is going to find out. Because Emma's just going to blab at some point. Yeah, thanks for recapping yes. pretty much everything that we've talked about today. So it's just a matter of time before somebody moves in with... <sighs> somebody else moves in with uh, Tim and Sally who... Who've done something bad as well I'm sure at some point I think the reason I like Mariam Is because she's a ray of sunshine She is And the way that she was described prior to her coming back I expected her to be an ogre Right, yes, we talked about this last week And she's not at all She's not She's just lovely She's really nice and delightful And And not like her dad or brothers at all She's vulnerable Right And Do you think it's a front? No, I believe it I believe it 100% (laughs) I really do. Maybe it is a front, but I'm absolutely believing it. You're very suspicious about Phil with two L's and Curtis. Well, Curtis, it it worked out that way and stuff, but... I don't think I'm suspicious of Phil with two L's. There are people who are There are people who are, but I don't think I am. I, I, I guess he has something going on. I hope that he doesn't. And this is what we talked about, that it's okay for something to be developed... Right. In the show in front of her eyes. You don't have to bring this baggage in every time. Right. I'm just I'm just worried that she's playing Zidane because she's trying to find out something about... Because the whole, you know, nobody else in my family understands me and, and the rest of my family have shunned me because I'm a good person and they're all bad people. Because her dad's dead and her brothers are going to prison for setting the fire. Right. And she's not being supportive of them or something. And then all the aunts and uncles, now that the cash cow has died, right. have have fallen out. Right enough. She is, it is kind the of one suspicious. who was wronged. Yeah. Standard it is, the dirty on her. Yeah, it is kind of suspicious that... Oh, you're ruining Mariam for me. I really like her and I hope this is not true. I'm just worried that it might be a front. Do you know, even if it is true, I think I'm good with that. Yeah, because who does it hurt? It only hurts Sedan. Right. Fair enough. Moving on. Our last storyline today is Tim's health MOT. (laughs) On Monday, Tim is making a heart-healthy omelette. He's also booked Tim and Sally in for a health MOT with Dr. Gaddas, and Sally is dead impressed. And, And he's made some green smoothies. Yeah. Tim meets Peter, and they chat about the health MOT thing. Peter points out that this means a finger up the jacksie, and Tim is appalled. But Peter points out that it's okay. It, it's not sore. It's just a little... Yeah. 
Don't and, and, they, and they don't show Peter's fingers. Doing, no, they, they cut away from that. They cut yeah. away from Peter. <laughs> How many fingers are you putting up there? Two. Two? Yeah, two. It needs two up there? Yes, it does. Have you seen your ass? No. <laughs> Tim is appalled. It's hilarious, though. But Peter points out that it's okay. Dr. Gaddis is fine about these things, given that she's a lesbian. Her and her missus are great laughs. And I'm like, wait, what? I didn't know that we knew this. See? Did we know this? I thought we suspected this, but did we know this? I recall Dr. Gaddis and her family having a meal at the bistro fairly recently. She has a son. In the last few months. And I recall it being her and a man and a boy. I don't remember another woman being at the table. I don't really recall much of that meeting, to be honest with you. But I could be wrong. Still, yay! Yeah. Tertiary character lesbian <laughs> on the street. The, the perfect kind of lesbian character, isn't it? I suppose. <laughs> She'll always be there. Of course it's not, but tertiary, tertiary isn't a good thing. But it's a start. No, it's a start. So we have her and we have our two bisexual girls. Huzzah. Nina and Asha. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> God. <laughs> I forget, but like, I, I, I don't think I believe in it. <laughs> anyway. I believe in it more than I believe in Craig and Faye. Oh, sure. I believe in the Tooth Fairy more than I believe in... <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Tim goes to see Dr. Gadas and checks after her wife, son and dog. Gadas would like to get the awkward bit out of the way first, so Tim drops trow while Gadas was talking about a lifestyle questionnaire. I mean, you could see that coming. That was hilarious. It was no surprise. I loved the storyline all the way through. Tim has this kind of deer in the headlights look about him this week that... Constantly. Always makes me smile. Yes. Back home, Sally's dead proud of them both, particularly Tim, who she says passed his MOT with flying colours. They're great examples of health and build back better, and she suggests a power walk and a bag of chips. Tim looks like he may not have told Sally the full story. Right, because we already suspected that he had heard something when he broke his finger. Or he felt something, or yeah, something wasn't right. Tim and Sally meet up with Peter in the Rovers. Tim gives Peter a hard time about his finger up the bum joke earlier. Sally brushes it off, announcing that they both pass with flying colours. Yes, says Tim. At home, <laughs> Sally wonders if Tim's okay as he was quiet earlier. She thinks that he's worried about uh, her, what with her cancer history. Tim says, yeah, that's it. Sally goes <laughs> off for a shower and Tim gets a call and we learn that he has a secret appointment tomorrow. What well? On Tuesday at home, Tim is mulling over his notification from the hospital. Sally is upset that Tim won't be joining her on her, uh, on her jog, worried that he's embarrassed to be seen with her in their get-up. Which is a strange thing for Sally to notice and be worried about. Right, because we've seen them in their lycra before. Mm-hmm. She suggests a lunchtime meetup, but he claims that he has to work. And she talks about how expensive her leggings were. They were only £30. That's cheap. Is it? Yes. After a day at the shops, Sally heads to the rovers and meets Peter, who is surprised that Tim's not with her. Tim's working, says Sally. Oh yes, that's right, says Peter. Tim's not working, is he? Says Sally. No, says Peter, who vapes, <laughs> who vapes so hard he's able to escape in a plume of smoke. Because Tim is at Curtis's heart, doctor. Yeah, yeah, because he was like, oh yeah, no, you know, he's he's something for Barry. That's right, Barry. Barry, who I just saw outside. Oofed. <laughs> so Tim has been referred by Gadas to Curtis's heart, doctor. Doctor Handley. 
Thank you. Tim You're tries welcome. to play it down. The doc thinks Gareth did the right thing, given Tim's history with heart problems. He must have had a few more days left in his contract. <laughs> right. We've got, we've got you in for the full week. We might as well use you. <laughs> Later, Tim has been given an appointment for an angiogram and told to take it easy until after that. On his way out, he drops his wallet and Aggie retrieves it, but Tim is gone. Mm-hmm. So Aggie phones Tim's landline because... It's interesting to see Dr. Henley, you know, dealing with someone... He wasn't crazy. Who actually does have a heart condition. Yeah. He's much kinder. Yeah. Aggie phones Tim's landline and leaves a message to let him know that she's found his wallet at the hospital. How Aggie has Tim's landline is anyone's guess. Right. He do- She doesn't have his cell. She's got Sally's cell and the landline. Aggie drops the wallet off at home later, which is news to Tim. He asks her to keep Stuma about the hospital, thank you, Sally. <laughs> he has only- needed his wallet this whole time. She'd only worry, and Aggie goes along with it, leaving Tim to, le- to delete the message off the machine. And I've said this before, do you feel when your wallet isn't next to you? It's like your car keys. You, <laughs> this doesn't apply to you, because no, you lose have these a purse. things all the time. But my wallet's always in my pocket. So when it's not in my pocket, I can you tell it's not in my bit. pocket. Yeah. Right? And even if I put it in upside down it feels wrong so how anyone can not know that they've lost their wallet Mm. it's just bizarre sally gets home eventually hurt by tim's lies and now more convinced than ever that he's embarrassed to be seen outside with her again it seems like a strange yeah it's weird a strange route to go down right on wednesday tim is Voggling angiogram when Sally comes, da- UK. comes down the stairs of Discovery, keen to get back into their fitness regime and refusing to take no for an answer. So Tim gets his gear on and checks with Craig to delete his browser history, claiming that he was looking up Valentine's presents for Sally. Craig, sure. Craig doesn't seem to know or seem to claim that he knows how to do that. Yeah. Craig is totally looking at Tim's search history. <laughs> yeah. On their jog, this was delightful. Sally goes jogging by quickly right and bringing up the rear is tim jogging slowly i thought right. it was a lovely shot he insists he's fine just not in the mood for a run today aggie coming out of the co-op checks on tim while sally continues on the run aggie asks why tim has been so secretive and works out that something's up because right she's a nurse right and she also says well they must have given you you must be okay if they've given you the go ahead to jog right at the community garden tim explains that he's short of breath that he's put down to getting old. Aggie thinks he needs to tell Sally, and if she doesn't, she's going to accompany him to his appointment. Some of this is overheard by Shona, but I'm not sure... I'm not sure that why. D- that doesn't amount that to doesn't, anything. That doesn't, yeah. Not yet. Sally goes into the rovers to look for Tim, but he's not there. However, Ed and Peter both express the view that Tim hasn't been himself lately. Because Tim is at the hospital with Aggie, which I think is, is so much worse than just not telling Sally is to go to the hospital with another woman, even if it is Aggie, and there's nothing, there's nothing obviously romantic going on there. Why is the that obvious? Because he's loved Sally. Well, I was just curious why you would say that, because well, this is a soap opera. So if somebody saw them together, they might think that they are in a relationship together, wouldn't they? Maybe? Nah, I don't think so. But it's a fact, it feels like it's a little bit more of a betrayal to take someone else into in your confidence... Well, he needs to have somebody there to take him home. And to talk to about it. Right, Right. yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, if you have a friend who's a nurse that... Are they friends? That makes sense. Well, she's friends with Sally, so... She tolerates Sally. 
she's friends with Sally. Tim was at the hospital with Aggie. They chat about him turning 50 in a couple of weeks and then he changes the subject to their first single. Tim's first was Just a Feeling by Bad Manners, the lead singer being Buster Blood Vessel, which Tim thinks is ironic. Right. Aggie refuses to share, but before Tim gets called, she admits it was Little Willie by Sweet. <laughs> at home, Sally's in her jammies, raring to go, singing You Sexy Thing as she walks in on Craig replacing the pineapple smoothie finished that morning. Right. At the appointment... Curtis Fortunately, her... her her, yes. her sexy lingerie covers everything. Right. At the point. A little too much. Curtis's doctor tells Tim and Aggie that he needs a triple heart bypass or his next heart attack could kill him. Tim refuses to accept this and storms out the hospital, but this time he doesn't drop his wallet. Back in the street, Aggie urges Tim to listen to the cardiologist, but Tim is so deep in denial he decides to get a second opinion. And his second opinion is Peter. So he heads off into the Rovers and chats to Peter about tonight's Weather County game. Breathless, Tim orders a pint and a packet of smoky bacon crisps. Good man, says Peter, who's not as good a cardiologist as the last guy we saw. No. Aggie finds Tim in the Rovers and begs him to call Canny on the pints and the snacks. He says he is, and if he wanted nagged, he'd go home to Sally. So at home, Sally is in the mood for her hole and has bought Tim a nude butler outfit and then wants to put him through his paces under the covers. But Tim would rather sit on the couch and watch a movie. And this, Under the duvet. And this does not go down well with Sally. No. Sally checks that Tim still loves her and he says that he does. She says that it was his idea to go on this health kick and he angrily storms out, sitting on Maxine's bench, listening to his heart race and the doctor's words echoing in his head. And that is how we end this week's episodes. I like how he's he with Peter, he's like, well, you know, you nearly died and you're fine now. And Peter's like, yeah, but I had to get a new liver Yeah, in order to do that. Yeah, you you were told that if you took another drink, you'd be dead. And here you are, taking another drink of orange juice. And, right. you're, and you're not dead. <laughs> and you're not dead. Right, it's orange juice. And they had to give me a new liver in order to do that. The thing about doing the Corey Empty Cup Awards for 2021... And I still haven't decided I'm going to do it in 2022. Of course you are. People love it. It's but beloved. In 2021, I put together all the ones that were uh, up for the vote and all the winners and put a little review of the year together that's on the YouTube. But what it does is it serves as a little uh, timestamp through the year because they're all in uh, in date order, the ones that, that didn't win it. Right. So you can see Peter through the year, how he, how he started off when he was going to live with Joe with a glass eye and then as he moves into his liver transplant period and then, and then afterwards. My God, he looked awful at the start of the year. He really did. And it's so Remember easy to Remember when he had his, his granny shawl and was doing jigsaw puzzles? Right, and that, that features in a couple of them and he's yeah. so drawn and yellow and looks like he's lost all power of weight. Yeah. And now he's... Now he's, he's cracking jokes and smoking vapes. <laughs> Looking great in the pub, yeah. Watching the football, it's what a journey, what mm-hmm. a journey it's been for him. And it's good to, I mean, it'd be nice if he had a story, but he's, I think he's a good character to have in to that. See him. I think he's a good character to have in that sort of supporting role. Yeah, just he's there. He's a soundboard, and he's just you know doing Peter Petery things like vaping an awful lot. But right, yeah, it was good stuff. And supposedly still working at streetcars. Yeah. Tim has been typical man here. Mm. Ignoring his health. Mm. 
<laughs> and not talking to his wife about his concerns. Yes. Yeah. Very typical. Sounds quite familiar. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm not sure what you're talking about. <laughs> but, uh, I don't know. I, this is the, my, like... my problem with it is that I think that he and Sally have a, a relationship where he would... I think he would keep the, the first bit of it. Right. But the fact that he, he needs, needs a, a triple bypass, I think, I think he would have he's telling told is Sally. Sally. Yeah. Yeah. Especially if he saw how much his secretiveness is upsetting her. Right. Yeah. Why wouldn't you tell her? She's your wife. I mean, I think he's <laughs> I think he's doing little little clues here. The storming out is obviously a clue to her that something else is going on here. There's something seriously up with him, right. and and who knows what it is. Right, Aggie. But but I think he should be. I think the triple bypass thing, while it's a shock, if he doesn't say it to Sally next week, mm-hmm. I, I'm really I'm, I don't know if I can believe that. I think I'm going to give him a day to try and process it himself. Right. But then he really needs to tell her because yeah. Tim would tell her. Right. And what happens if if something happens to him in, in between times? Right. And the doctor says, oh, well, I told him he needed a triple bypass. Yeah. That's the worst way for Sally to find out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Stop looking at me like that. <laughs> what else is going on in this story? Nothing really. That's it, isn't it? That, that, that is pretty much it. I, I love I love the, the return of kinky Sally. I get the impression that they have a a, a chest or a box or yeah. a, or a wing of their house mm-hmm. is dedicated to little bits and bobs that Sally's picked up in her little mm-hmm. shopping excursions. Anytime. She's buying them from a, a brick and mortar store right. as well, which, and it's funny which when I she, think is hilarious. And it's funny when she came in with the bag and Faye's like, oh, what'd you buy? And she's like, Nothing. just a just a t-shirt. Oh, it's just a t-shirt. She's not ordering this stuff online and having it no. delivered. She's going into the store herself right. and buying it. Yeah. Well, God it's because you, she Sally. wants it for that night. So you wouldn't order it from the... True. You know. And it's it's cute that they have these 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 role-playing games that they do together. Because remember, sexy real estate agent. <laughs> Vividly. <laughs> <laughs> now we've moved on to sexy butler, which begs the question... Who is Sally in this scenario? Is she is she's is she's the mistress of the house? I think she's the lady of the manor. Yes. Mm-hmm. Does she have like a like a little a little whip? I hope so. A so. uh, little bell that she dings. It's it's all. It, somehow it's wholesome, <laughs> right? It's just it's nice that they have. A couple on the street who've been together for a while, who are not in their 20s, and who obviously enjoy... He'll be 50 in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Who obviously still enjoy having sex with one another. Right. Are still sexual, still love one another. It's really nice. I like it. I I am not one of those people who, who was clutching their oh, pearls. Oh, God, there's nothing to complain about this at all. It's warm, and it's lovely, and, right. it, and it's endearing, if anything. Yeah. You don't have to see Tim... With the pouch on. The magnetic pouch. Was yeah. it the fact that it was magnetic that was 
Oh, that, it has a magnetic release. Yeah, that it was easy access. Easy access. When, when Sally's after the cock, <laughs> there's nothing getting in their way. I have I have something to reveal to to all of these people. All men's undercrackers are easy access. <laughs> but Except for me undies. I was disappointed in the MeUndies. They didn't have a fly in them. Hmm. And when you find that out when you're desperate for a pee, that's the last thing you want to be discovering. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, well. That was the week that was Coronation Street. What was your moment of the week? <sighs> what was our moment of the week last week? Moment of the week was Christmas. I'm I'm just is it is it Mary and Roy playing chess? I feel like we give it to Roy a lot. I know. We've given it to him recently because him returning to Nina was a moment of the week two weeks ago, wasn't it? No, I think we managed to avoid that. Huh. All right, then Roy and Mary playing chess. I mean I think because I think because we feel kinda of strongly about as as others do, that we'd gladly watch this for <laughs> Right, we just, right, just a whole episode of just nothing but Mary and Roy playing chess. Right, it's a kind of reminder of the little things that mean the big things in this show. Right. As, as we continually say, and sometimes the show seems to listen and sometimes it doesn't. Yes. Not to us, but just to generally and people. You'll, right, we, because we'll, we're not the only ones who say this. We, we like it when it's not things exploding. Yes, and uh, guns. And rape hotels. Right. Sometimes it's better just having two characters that you love sitting down and right. chatting with each other and playing chess. The less guns and sexual assault we have, the better. Right. So that's our... I knew you were going to mess up one of these times. God damn it. Moment of the week. Our moment of the week. Your boring moment of the week. Craig's standing about listening to people argue. Yes. That's our boring moment of the week. The boring moment of the week. I think it was more inexplicable than boring, but <laughs> he was just standing there. He said his lines. He just stood there. Yeah. Come on, Craig. It was either that or Craig and Faye talking about how expensive it is to rent a flat. That was pretty When you both well. have good jobs. Well. Craig's a cop. He's got to make... Some money, yes. And she's in, she's in sales. She's in sales, but Craig Never is a cop. Yes, yeah, Craig has a career. I've hit the button. The die it's, has been cast. It's Craig involved, no matter what it is. <laughs> poor Craig. You never say poor Daniel or poor Chesney. Is Chesney even still on this show? <laughs> we have not seen him in ages. Yeah, I think so. I think he's still there. Somewhere. Remember, he was being ginger to. Uh, Fizz last week talking about uh, Tyrone and oh, that's right. Stuff. He was there. If you can remember Chesney, drop us a line <laughs> and let us know about it. We're the, we're the talk of the street at gmail.com and we're at Cory Podcast on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You can shout me and Helen a coffee by heading to kofi.com slash the talk of the street. Check out the clicky clicky section of vogel.co.uk. That's vogel.co.uk, which I've been saying for a year. For links to our merch store and People YouTube channel. People who listen to this podcast are shocked. <laughs> Do they not listen to the end credits? Nobody gets to this, but 
And if you're so inclined, please leave a rating and a review on iTunes or your podcast provider of choice. Thanks for making it to the end of another episode. And we will be back next week with more... A Talk of the Street. The Talk of the Street. Bye. Cheerio.